test. Hello. 
Hello out there. I'm Amanda G. This is Some Call Me Tim. I'm filling in for Pam, who's having a wonderful vacation, because uh, she deserves one. I'm here with my girlfriend, Jessa Fallon, also known as Lash Wednesday. Hey, how's it going? It's good. It's good. So this is Some Call Me Tim. Uh, Pam usually talks with folks about their unique belief system and how it came about, what makes them a moral or immoral person. But she said I get to talk about anything I like. So <laughs> here we are. I um, We're in from New Orleans. We're here for a week in San Francisco. This is Jessa's first time here. Uh, so we've been having a lot of fun. We do come uh, hail from New Orleans. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but I've been in New Orleans a little over a decade, uh, which should give me some street cred over there. And uh, a lot of people think New Orleans is a very, very immoral place, and it probably is, but it's also very fun and uh, very religious, weirdly. Uh, Jessa grew up there, so uh, maybe she could speak more on that. How are you? And this is your first time in San Francisco. Yes. How are you enjoying it? Very much so. <laughs> we, we've been having a lot of fun. We went down to Pier 39. I'm trying to show her some of the touristy stuff, you know, uh, some of the things that are a must-see so that when we get back and people are like, oh, did you do this thing? It's like, yes, we did the thing. We saw the Golden Gate, pointed out Alcatraz. So um, the seals. Yeah. Sealed the, the deal, sea lions. If you will. Yeah. Oh, sea lions. Yes. Yeah, so Talk about that. Remember that conversation that that girl was having when we were like, uh, we were up here 39 and we were just walking around trying to get a view of the bay. Um, and some girl was talking about. Uh, oh, she didn't believe in privatized prisons. Yeah. Um, and that's why she wouldn't go to Alcatraz. Uh, and we were like, number one, it wasn't privatized. Uh, number two, why are you taking pictures of Alcatraz? Yeah. Um, and her friend like totally agreed with her, uh, which was real interesting. Uh, but Jessa, let's let's talk about religion, because um, I think like morality is so tied in with religion. And I was raised in Los Angeles, and I was raised Jewish. I had my bat mitzvah, did all the things I was supposed to do, uh, like a good Jew. Went to Yom Kippur services, atoned for my sins every year, did the Passover seder, the whole nine. Um, and I, you know, I find Christian religions just to be so interesting and fascinating because they're so different than the Jewish religion and the Jewish religion we're told that we should ask questions like we should ask why God is up there or why we should believe or what happens when we die or any questions that we have because we want the rabbis want to answer the question using the Torah which uh, is basically the Old Testament uh, so we learned about half of what y'all learn this is not a show just about religion. If you're <laughs> no, we'll get to some point. Um, but, you know, so we learned the, the Old Testament and we but we also learned to ask questions. And that's why I like a lot of Jewish people, I think, are in comedy because we kind of learn that setup punchline very early. Um, a lot of our services uh, do kind of have except for Yom Kippur, the day when we fast and atone for our sins. But a lot of it does have this kind of humor to it because Jews have survived forever and ever and ever. And part of, you know, a group that's like constantly <laughs> like in Egypt, they're like, we don't want you here and the Holocaust and throughout history, we can point to the pogroms in Russia, which is how my family got to America. Uh, we're always persecuted. And um, part of, you know, I think part of our survival tactic is just the laughter, you know, and trying to, to find that humor in that. Um, but Jessa, you were raised Catholic. Yeah, we definitely immediate. I specifically, um, not all Catholics, I'm sure, but immediately make fun of death and things that are typically considered not what you should make fun of. 
So, um, yeah, can you hear me over there? Yeah, yeah. And why do you think that is? Necessity. <laughs> I mean, you know, tragedy, comedy, you know, hand in hand. And do you think that you got your moral compass? Do you think you got it from religion, from being told by the Catholic Church, which you can and cannot do? No, definitely not. Where do you think that, like, how that came from? Um, my my soul. <laughs> And just um, an upbringing, you know, and I think that might have to do with a Southern upbringing. Just be kind kind of just resonates with me. Don't steal shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can say that it's there are some religious things that will influence how you live your life. You know, do unto others is is one that's golden throughout. And uh, if you're just tuning in again, not just a religious podcast. We're going to be talking about all the things you shouldn't talk about. Religion, politics, sex, on a first date type thing. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you think about sex on a first date? Oh, my goodness. Okay, <laughs> let's jump over there. You brought it up. I mean, if you, you know, if the feeling's right, you, then you jump into it. Jump into it. You go for it. But the Catholic Church told you not to uh, fornicate. Is that the word y'all use? Uh, until you get married. Well, I wasn't raised like Catholic all the way. I was baptized and then we were raised kind of whatever Christian religion my mom chose at the time. Like at one point we were Methodist. Oh. And I don't even know what exactly that means. <laughs> and if I'm offending you out there, then sorry about that. Um, sorry, not Sorry. Yeah, I remember one time when the internet was first invented. I'm 36, so I was kind of um, like, I, I want to say like fifth or sixth grades around the time people started really having like personal computers and internet. And this was like the dial up. And I'm sure all you kids have heard our horrible stories about AOL uh, login and all that. And uh, they had this uh, website that was like Ask a Rabbi. And it was a live chat with a rabbi. You could ask him anything. And so I uh, went to the school library uh, to use the internet. And I went on to ask a rabbi a question and the question that I asked was um, will my cat go to heaven <laughs> does my cat have a soul because this was like if they said no then I, could, I don't think I could have ever been Jewish ever again it was very important to me uh, to have that and the rabbi does answer that question you know um, I don't remember his exact thing but more or less you know my cat did have does have a soul did have a soul rest in peace ginger um, but, you know, it was good. Like, they even had in the beginnings of the internet, like, hey, you can come out here and you can ask these questions and you can engage with a rabbi. Um, you know, it's all, it's all. I was going to compare it to kind of. It, I don't even want to compare it to being Amish, but like the whole thing with the Rumspringa, like you, you're raised Amish, you're raised without technology with like, you know, uh, in that society, it's very religious, it's very rigid. And then, um, when you turn a certain age, I think around 18, they let you go out in the world for like six months and you get to go out in the world and just, uh, you know, experience that. And then a lot of people, I think it's like 95 or so percent, um, end up returning to the Amish community. Right. And, and people find that staggering and like, oh my God, why would you return to that? But if like, that's all you knew your whole life and that's where your like moral compass is and all these things that you were told were horrible, um, you know, and, and immoral. And then you starting, you know, some of them started engaging in these things, like a lot of uh, drug use and sexual activity and these things. And then it was too much. It was too overwhelming. It was too much of a stark contrast for that. Um, and I think that's a good, good example of like what morality is because it, Probably lies somewhere in, in the middle for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Like you can go back to the moral question of, 
um, is if a man steals a loaf of bread to feed his family, is that wrong? Or is that, should he be punished for that? Oh, are you asking me? I am. <laughs> Hold on, let me get I'm, I'm just putting the question out there in general. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think, oh, hold on. There's a technical difficulty here. That's mine. You can keep talking. I can still hear you, so, you know. Yeah, but I can't hear you. Okay. Barely. Okay. All right, well, let's, let's hope this is better. We need to hear each other for these conversations. I mean, I'm not asking for an answer to that question. I'm just saying, like, that's one of those, like, moral dilemmas that people oh, yeah. present as a moral dilemma um, so that you can, you know, have some thought on that. And I don't have the answer to that. I, I mean, who does? <laughs> I think create a better society where a man is able to, uh, you know not have to steal a loaf of bread to provide for his family. Right. But now we're getting into politics. Well, back to politics. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> Is music moral? Do you think that there's some music that's immoral? No. <laughs> no, I think um, a lot of art is, you know from your innermost workings and if you want to express yourself in a certain way as long as you're not hurting anyone else then you should be free to do that yeah i don't i mean i, I hate that the, you know they have all these arguments like when columbine happened they're like oh these guys listen to marilyn manson and therefore marilyn manson must oh be bad gosh, yeah and it's like but how many people listen to marilyn manson i had marilyn manson cd and you know eminem came out and everyone had all these issues with his music and i'm like i had some eminem cds and i listened to them and you know i don't think it i don't think the music necessarily like facilitates you know some sort of criminal act activity or immorality well, then we're or, getting into nature and nurture yeah because you're basically saying like some people this doesn't effect in a way where they have to now we're talking about murder great <laughs> murder 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 um yeah <laughs> but then it's uh yeah you never i mean you can't there's no way to differentiate it's like comorbidity yeah because i think like some people listen to celine dion and then they say like oh that voice makes me want to kill people like it's not <laughs> i mean <laughs> topical with the Celine Dion and Colin yeah, references I'm, here yeah I'm sorry I'm not that cool <laughs> although I want to see Celine Dion's finally coming to New, to New Orleans it's a big deal I know you guys in San Francisco get a lot of really awesome artists um, a lot of times they stop by Houston and then they go right by New Orleans and they go over to Atlanta uh, so when they come to New Orleans we try to go as much as we can. The thing too I hate about concerts now is like back in the I'm always I, like I said I remember back in the day when you had to go to take a master and buy a physical ticket and wait in line and hope it wasn't sold out um, before the internet days. But now it's like they Celine Dion tickets went on sale in March of 2019. Celine Dion is not coming to New Orleans until February of 2020. Um, we bought share tickets. We bought those in, um, I believe, February of this year, and she's coming in December. So it's like you buy the tickets and you're so excited, and then you have to keep that excitement going for hypothetically 10 months. <laughs> Or lack thereof. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm yeah. I was like, if you're not excited, I'll 
<laughs> find somebody else who shares that excitement. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You'll always be my plus one for a share concert. Oh, thank heavens. Yeah. We're also seeing Lizzo. Oh, yeah. Lizzo's going to be great. Lizzo's coming to New Orleans. She was in New Orleans for Jazz Fest. Um, if you don't know what Jazz Fest... So, New Orleans... Like, people think New Orleans Mardi Gras. Like, that's what they think. They think, oh, my God... I'm in New Orleans. I can only come for Mardi Gras. Not true. We have festivals all the time. Um, we have Jazz Fest, which is the last weekend in April and the first weekend in May, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's musicians from all over the place, um, all different types of rock and jazz. And there's a gospel tent there and there's pop music and there's reggae music. There's all like any kind of music. And it's just there's different what do they have like 35 stages there's just an insane amount of stages and it's all day long you just walk around from stage to stage there's tents there's food there's um, a a cultural experience with the Mardi Gras Indians and you know it's just wonderful experience that you have Um, and then we also have the French Quarter Festival which is in April and that's just all around the French Quarter they have music playing um, different stages that you can walk around to and in New Orleans you can walk around with your alcohol so you just stop by a bar grab a drink in a to-go cup that's what we call them so when you go there call it a to-go cup please so that you can fit in and then you get that and you walk around and you get to hear some music it's cool um july 4th weekend there's essence fest um which is a music and cultural festival this year michelle obama was there um mary j blige uh charlie wilson there's always a bunch of people beyonce comes every other year uh oprah shows up sometimes (laughs) which is a big deal because oprah doesn't have to do anything ever forever um, Voodoo Fest, which we went to a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was great. Got to see Tool, which was really awesome. Um, and some other stuff that I don't remember because I got really drunk and high, possible. <laughs> what did yeah. I do? Um, I don't know. We ate Molly. something. <laughs> yeah. I don't I can't keep up. Anyway, it comes to New Orleans. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Voodoo Fest is every about. Halloween weekend. So you can also experience Halloween in New Orleans, which is... I think the best place to experience uh, Halloween. I'd love to do Halloween in San Francisco. Yeah. I haven't done that before. They have the Castro. Um, I haven't been in a while, but the Castro does a whole uh, Halloween bash, which is really awesome and really fun. Um, in San Francisco, y'all got some fabulous costumes. Yeah, I tried to walk out of a bar in San Francisco with a drink the other day. And <laughs> the guy's like, where are y'all going? <laughs> I was like, oh, right, yeah. We're just headed out to the courtyard where you can't bring alcohol or glass. Yeah, we don't understand these concepts. Those, hmm, those levels look a little low. I Call will. us in. Tell us if you can hear us or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just uh, keep on talking. I don't know. Well just you know like i said this is some call me tim um and usually radio that's what this show's called you're in san francisco some call me tim and it's hosted by pam (laughs) um (laughs) so i don't know pam's awesome um we're supposed to talk about our unique belief system so what do you believe happens when we die oh my goodness yeah I, I, I warmed you up. You I warmed you up with the music at all. A little Celine Dion, a little Cher, a little like here's what you could do research. in New Orleans for tourists. Would have read some Bible verses. <laughs> this is this is what I like to. So when I used to do at my job, I used to be the one in charge of hiring our summer interns, and so I, they'd send all the resumes so this and the is cover. A job interview. Yeah, no, it's, I'm just <laughs> telling you my secret, and like everyone can use it because this is you know no longer a secret once I share this. Um, and I I think it's great, and I think everyone 
should do this. People don't agree with this, but what I would do is I get the resumes and the people I would want to call, I would just call them and be like, Hey, can we talk right now? Oh yeah. And I would put them on the spot. I wouldn't schedule an interview because I found when you schedule the interviews, people come, um, and they're overprepared or, you know, they're just like basically reciting something that they practiced. And it's like, I don't know if you're going to actually be good for this job or if you're just like good at preparing for things. Oh, that makes Um, a lot of sense. So, cause they know what you're going to ask, like what's, you know, your most positive attributes and what's something that you need to work on. And, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And you have all all these stupid interview questions that you can kind of, you can go online and Google, like what's an interview question. The bad thing about Um, me is that I work too hard. Yeah. What's your greatest weakness? That I, exactly. Yeah. That was always mine was like, well, I just, I don't know when to stop, but I've learned sometimes I just have to put down the the keyboard and just walk away and just accept that this is the best it's going to be. You can always, you know, you turn your weakness into a strength. That's put, but you're told to do that. But if I call you and you're like at McDonald's or not you specifically, but, <laughs> um, and you're at the coffee shop and you just have to, in the moment, just have a conversation with me. That way I could tell if you'd be good at our job. Our job deals a lot with clients. So it's like, can you talk to me as another human being without any practice just on the spot? Cause that's what you're going to be doing at this job. Right. So anyway, that's what I just did right now to you where I was talking about one thing and then I flipped the script. And I said, hey, what do you think happens when we die? Right. But if I'm smoking a bowl <laughs> before we get here and it's like, hold on, you're blowing my mind here. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> um, wait, so what was the question? <laughs> what happens when we die in your uh, unique belief? Oh, I would say my unique belief, my unique belief would be um, that we turn into a cat. That would be my ideal <laughs> situation. I used with to think of lives. Yeah. I goddess to, cat. Maybe I used to think a lot about reincarnation, you know, yeah. I, I always just thought like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if you just came back as something else? And so either my theory was either you start small, like you come, like you start as like a flea or, or a maggot. And then you come back again as, um, you know, uh, something bigger, like a bee and then a frog and then a cat and then a dog. And then, and then finally a human. And that's like, and then maybe an alien or something else that's higher level of intelligence. And like, that's kind of, you know, what happens in your life or the opposite. Like you got to be a human and then you probably fuck some, mess some stuff up. And then now you're a dog, but like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think mm, so. (laughs) Yikes. But, uh, I'm, trying to work on that because my mom says i curse too much (laughs) is she listening Uh, probably (laughs) do you think that aliens are more intelligent than us do you think they might have a different level of intelligence like a different level of communication uh all of the above yeah i think they are smarter than us i think they have more levels of communication which also makes them smarter than us what about just a planet of a bunch of dumb people (laughs) a planet of a bunch of dumb yeah i know there's like idiocracy you know i like money (laughs) <laughs> I used I used to think too that there was this like alternate universe where there's humans but they're on another planet like in another universe so because even though we're like all humans that they develop differently than us and that maybe they're like nicer people and not capitalist greedy like destroying their own environment like maybe you know humans given in another situation would, would turn out differently or maybe we would turn out the same yeah or there's another dimension that is just floating around us at the same time, all the time. Oh, you don't hear me. Okay. No. But, I, hmm. you know, I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I'm registering on the board. Okay, so. great. Do you hear you? 
Do I hear me? Yeah, I can hear me. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, I can hear you. <laughs> what was that SNL skit where they had the like the ladies that talk like this? Oh yeah, <laughs> Anna Gasteyer yeah. and the radio and Molly Shannon. <laughs> the cat ladies. Yeah, that'd be a good Halloween costume. A cat lady. No, that specifically, just wear headphones oh, yeah. and like a sweater. It'd be comfortable. It'd be easy. It's always cold around. The thing with Halloween in New Orleans and also here in San Francisco is it gets cold. And so you have to plan a costume accordingly. Um, so my last couple years, I've been a sailor. I was like a 50s prom date. And just anything with like a jacket or some sort of covering, <laughs> I'm about that. Um, so yeah, being a, a cat lady with a sweater vest sounds amazing <laughs> headphones to keep your ears warm it would be great do they talk about like making food was that what it was about there's one where yeah they make like holiday treats or, oh yeah 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 and then and they then had Alec another Baldwin not them yeah they had another one where they were actually like a, a show where they were trying to give away cats or something but they had real cats and they kept trying to climb out of the basket oh yeah but that was um like Kristen Wiig that was later on yeah I don't watch us you watch SNL no I yeah I dabble I dabble dabble a bit into SNL I don't uh probably unpopular opinion on a first show that's been on more than 40 years but um I I just don't enjoy it overall you know Mm. there's like always one or two sketches each show that are okay um if it's a guest that I like I'll try to tune into it if it's a stand-up I'll definitely um you know try to listen to their monologue because I think that that's fascinating um Amy Schumer Dave Chappelle had some good monologues yeah uh, that I really enjoyed but yeah, so you want to become a cat. Is that just your goal in life? Well, I mean, <laughs> I like see... like Maureen from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> see, I, I'm, I know a little bit about Sunny. Yeah. I haven't seen all of them. I don't recall who This Maureen lady is. that actually tries to be a cat. Like, she gets her teeth shaved down and oh, she, like, yeah. um, gets her facial, like, plastic surgery done on her face and she gets a tail and oh all yeah these... there are people that do that yeah it's a real it's a real thing that's not what i mean okay because <laughs> you mean you first have to pass away and then you would come back as a cat but when you come back as a house cat or do you come back as a stray cat like how do you think that that like no, um... it have to be one of our cats because i know <laughs> the situation that i'm going into i'm like let's just trade but how do you think that's decided that's why i used to think too with reincarnation i'm like okay maybe if you're good in this life you come back as like a prissy house cat but if you're shitty in this life then maybe you come back as a stray cat that you know has to fight and scrap for survival and that's what you get for not being nice in this life or you're bella and you're both you were a stray cat and now you're a person <laughs> that's our oldest little, little i don't know angel. if i can curse on the air thing <laughs> yeah that's our oldest cat she's about uh we estimate 17 pounds but i think she might be more you know she's definitely leading a very happy fulfilled life um but her first two years she was on uh, on the streets um and so when we adopted her she's one of those cats that gets really stressed if the food bowl if you could see the bottom of it and so that's why you know i free feed them which some people don't agree with but all of our cats have been strays and they're very stressed about their food situation about when the next meal's coming i'm also jewish and i'm also very stressed about when my next meal is coming so i definitely want to make sure that they're comfortable so i make sure that they have food and water um and you know uh she might be a little overweight, but she's happy. What do you and your family call when you when we're like going to get something else to eat? Just a little nosh. Nosh. Yeah. 
little nosh. Just a little Always nosh. Always talking about noshing. <laughs> While you're eating the lunch meal, you have to prepare for the dinner meal, and then that includes anything in between. Because, of course, around 4 o'clock, you're going to need a snack. Because yeah. people's sugar gets low. Right, 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 right. Yeah, when we were in Montauk, that was definitely, that was fun. <laughs> we were like always talking about what the, what we were going to eat next. Yeah, but that's a fun topic. Who doesn't want to talk which, about food? There's a burrito place across the street that uh, definitely we might have to check out. Yeah, I've been there. It's very good. The mission, yeah. if we walk in any direction, there's like a burrito place that's fantastic. So we'll definitely check out some burritos. Uh, we haven't had, we had a pupusa this week. That was week, delicious. Uh, but we haven't had yet any burritos, which we should because New Orleans, we have some good places, but it's just not really known uh, for their burritos, for their Mexican food. We have a lot of Tex-Mex kind of situations, um, which are hit or miss. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Here though, my thing was the day we landed, I was like, we got to get Chinese food. So we got a ton of Chinese food and we're still eating on it and it's fantastic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Shifting gears. Well, I mean, do you have any questions for me? I'll keep asking all, you all questions. All of the questions that you just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> what do I think happens when we die? Um, so I don't know. I, I have different theories and they change over time. I've shared some of them. Um, I kind of, at this point, just hope that's it. You know, I just hope I fall asleep or I think I'm asleep, but that's it. Like, oh I gosh, just okay, good. don't wake up. Good to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like I, I have this fear that we do keep reincarnating and coming back and that the earth is just getting worse and worse. And we're just coming back to, to fight a war zone, you know, just to be in like a Terminator situation uh, in the future, a, a matrix situation or some sort of futuristic situation where, you know, I would rather not be there. <laughs> uh, like I said, um, you know. I'm Jewish. I'm from the suburbs. I think about my next meal all the time. Uh, survivalist situations are probably not best for me. Mm. Yeah. So you don't want to come back as a cat. I mean, I'd love to experience being a cat. I, I think being a cat would be amazing. I kind of would like to find the pleasure that they have when they um, need need their their paws like how good that feels i'd want to feel what it is to purr and even this might sound gross but even to just lick like they get such pleasure in like licking their paws and then like yeah it's like but but that makes them so happy and i would want to experience that i don't want that weird did you see that thing that was on the shark tank it was like this rubber tongue thing oh my god that humans could buy and you put it on your tongue and then you could like lick your cat i guess yeah like i don't want that i don't want me as a human licking my cat i want to be a cat licking another cat or licking my own paws and um you know just experiencing that maybe i don't know they also lick all of their junk and (laughs) i don't i can't imagine that's pleasurable but maybe it is some people try to do that specifically as human people yeah but but as far as like a heaven or a hell i i i don't see that i've i've been in planes (laughs) i didn't see any angels up there i don't believe the space landing moon landing was faked so i do think that you know maybe there's something beyond and beyond and beyond that i'm not sure um but yeah 
I don't know. I think, you know, as far and the reason I started talking about religion is because I think a lot of uh, the way that we're shaped as kids for most of us, not everybody, but most of us were raised with some sort of religion. Um, and that kind of shaped our moral compass. We were told, like, this is bad or you're going to hell or like, this is bad. Um, you will get written in the book of life or, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is. So that's where I think, I think in that way, because I don't also don't agree with organized religion, but I think in some ways it's good because it does shape, it does give you kind of a context of like, here's things you should and shouldn't do. Um, some religions go too far. Um, and sometimes it's not always a positive thing, but I think for a lot of people, they do need that religion. Like and, a structure. Yeah. Like a structure. Yeah. So, um, let's dip into cults. Oh my God. I love cults. <laughs> Did you watch that wild, wild country? Yeah. Yeah. Now there's a documentary now. Um, that's the Rajneesh Pura. Yeah. Did I say it right? I don't know. Yeah. The Rajneeshi. I don't know if it was Pura or Pura. I'm not sure. Yeah. But they're fascinating. Yeah. There's a the show documentary now where they parody it and it's like a lot of really famous comedians and it's really funny. But uh, the cult the cult situation I that's very interesting to me that like so many people can just be essentially mind washed um, into brainwashed into believing things that are nuts. But yeah. it happens and like not just one per- it's not just one person it's not just one mind manipulation it's like sometimes thousands of well millions if you think about multiple religions being cults essentially yeah i mean scientology you know i I think there's a lot of and with the rajneesh like what what was genius about them is they created you know uh they bought land they like found they got land and they formed a business and he was selling his books and his yoga classes and and whatnot but they also had a place for you to get away from everything in your life that was terrible and so you pick on people that are, they're in a vulnerable point in their life and they're just like, I just need a fresh start. And you're like, here it is. Right. Um, and then uh, the thing that also fascinates me about cults is every single, not every single time I won't, um, I have a bad habit of saying every single time, but in a lot, and we watch a lot of documentaries and I listen to a ton of podcasts about cults and, you know, different um, religions and different sects and different sexes and S. E C T. Uh, we can go back to sex on a first date as a topic, but um, I just think like sh- things shift. There's always a point where like they're like, "Here's what we're here to do. We're here to like get this land and till it, and then we're able to find peace and do our yoga classes and serenity, and we're just going to be self sufficient and we're going to not have any outside influences." And then all of a sudden, they have outside influences, and that guy's driving. Um, Rolls Royce. The leader's driving. He has like 88 Rolls Royces. Right. You know, the Pope's wearing Prada and blah. You know, so it's fascinating that when that turn starts to happen, people are still because they have so much invested. So they're still there. They're kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, I gave up everything I own, everything that I've ever had in my life to be part of this. I can't just walk away. But they also see that it's not quite what they were promised it would be. Yeah, it's like it's too late to turn back now. If I could turn back time. See, share oh. is relevant to everything. I was thinking of that song. Too late. <laughs> turn back now. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe I'm falling in love. But it's also interesting that there's like some personality, you know, like the cult of personality is, you know, Jim Jones, like these 
mostly men, not always men, but like these folks who are just have such a personality that it does get people to follow them anywhere. Yeah. Literally rain, whatever, snow, sleet, anything. They'll follow them. They'll give them all their money. They'll give them their kids. They'll give them their bodies. They'll die for them. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Do you believe it's fascinating? Call four one five 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 zero. No, I was like, I don't something, even know. If... Something. No, I, I really do. The thing was, because Jim Jones, he died with everybody, right? The Kool Aid guy. Yeah, he did. Okay, so I, I was also fascinated by that because I feel like a lot of times in these cults, it's like the guy's like, we all need to die for me, and then he doesn't. <laughs> right. And then, and then he... he's just walking around 40 years later like, oh, there's that guy. Yeah. Because at the end the of the day, like, he has that, such an ego that he wouldn't, you know, let that let that go himself. But I mean, that's why we're fascinated with cults because we're just like, how could this happen? How could this like seemingly normal, regular person uh, fall into a cult and fall into uh, something that's different? Um, especially if it's someone that didn't grow up in it. You know, if it's an adult who, like with the Rajneesh, there was a guy who was an attorney, saw them on the news, called them up. What can I do to help? They said, get licensed in Oregon and come here. Right. And he did. Right. So he changed his whole life, you know, and he was their attorney for, what, two decades? I mean. I think like you said, it's it's people that are in a vulnerable position and then they're preyed on in that moment. Like they're just like easily mind washed, I guess, but. Mindwash. I, I, I can't say mindwash. I don't know where that word comes from. <laughs> Brainwashed. Um, yeah. Not 100% sure of that. Uh, check, 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 check in the mic. All right. All right. That seems so low. Like it's barely even registering. On the? On the board, yeah. Okay. Is mine registering? Yes, and you're going into the red, so okay. I'm, like, wondering switch. where exactly it is. Switch mics, then. Yeah, I might have to switch mics. Just, uh, the headphones won't come and plug <laughs> Maybe that one will stretch. Sorry for that. We are here with, uh, Some Call Me Tim. Uh, I'm Amanda G and my girlfriend Lash Wednesday, uh, Jessa Fallon's here with me. We're filling in for Pam while she takes a wonderful vacation. Uh, Well-deserved. Pam works so hard. Pam Benjamin, she works so hard to run the station, keep everything going. And she's a sweetheart. And, um, you know, we've... that last part again? She works hard. She works hard and she's a sweetheart. Yeah. I think I turned her mic off is what I was saying. Okay. Pam Benjamin works hard and she's a sweetheart and we're staying at her house to watch her cat but really we would come and visit her cat anyway where I don't know if you could tell by the previous conversation we are very much cat people um, and very concerned about our cats uh, health and about what happens to them in the afterlife you know yeah it's very just important give me one second just getting over here yeah just pretend like there's a million cats in the studio and that's what <laughs> we're dealing with right now. It's cats, cats everywhere. 
Yeah. We have three cats. People ask if we would get more. Um, I would if if it would make sense for our environment. But part of having adopting cats is, is giving them a good life. And I think there's a certain amount of space you have in your house and a certain amount of personalities uh, with the cats and with the humans that after a certain point, um, you know, it, it is actually harmful to everybody. But one day when we have money, we're going to have a cat sanctuary where we'll be able to, to keep all the cats. But one question that I've been asked by a lot of people, um, and question is that how Let's many cats it. is too many cats? Too many cats in a parish that's close to us in New Orleans is six. They have a limit. Yeah. But the lady said, don't worry, they don't check. That's what the cat lady said that we got our last our last cat from. She said, where do you live? We said, Orleans Parish. And she said, oh, good. They don't have a limit on how many cats you can have. She said, I live in Jefferson. They limit you to six, but they don't know. Right. And I was like, okay. Like we will adopt this cat from you. Cat level a secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has like outdoor cats, so I guess they're not like technically hers it's the same thing like at the end of breakfast at tiffany's when she's just like she can't give the cat a name because she's like the cat doesn't belong to me i don't belong to the cat you know and it's you know you take ownership of these animals and maybe that's not it's the opposite yeah i know they take ownership of us. <laughs> you think cats have a moral compass um depending on the cat you know right i think our youngest cat earl is probably an atheist <laughs> definitely he's like oh screw your phone let me just knock that off yeah sorry if that hurts yeah, your feelings he's an anarchist as well he is just looking to start some stuff our middle cat sophia so our youngest cat earl he's a little black cat he's got one eye he's very cute and then we have our middle cat sophia she's tiny she's probably like seven eight pounds like she's very small and she has one eye and no teeth um she had to have all her teeth removed because they were infected um she had a very sad background story i i ended up adopting her she was um abandoned as a kitten uh they found her rescued her she had to get her eye removed um then she was adopted by a young girl um who was i think in her late teens early 20s and that girl went on vacation for a couple weeks and her roommate let sophia out um, of the house and they lived in an area this was post Katrina um, an area that wasn't that inhabited had a lot of abandoned houses there was actually a lot of um, ca uh, cats and dogs um, uh, feral cats and dogs and we have raccoons and we have um, possums. possums so she's out there by herself and uh, the lady, the adoption lady, would go out and set traps and try to find her. And after, like, two and a half months, they found her. She was half dead. Her fur was all, like, torn out, bleached. She scratched up. Um, and then she had to get half of her teeth removed because they were infected. And she was so skinny. You could see her ribs. It was, and so I was supposed to foster her um, to nurse her back to health because the girl that she was living with the girl was like oh great you found her when do i get her back and the lady uh that adopted her out was like you're never getting her back we don't trust you anymore um and so i had an extra room in my house at the time and so i you know nursed her back to health and uh for, at first she wouldn't she would just hide under the bed she wouldn't come out she would hiss at me um you know she uh, just was so scared because she'd just been through so much and then slowly yeah you know, I came in like twice a day and I'd bring catnip and treats and slowly worked our uh, way up to trust and then after a month or two she was uh, starting to get to be a healthy weight which was great and she was starting to come out and let me pet her 
Yeah, you were rehabilitating her, yeah. which you're good at with cats. And then we were snuggling, and then we introduced her to the other two cats in the house, and it was great. And then they were like, okay, well, we should put her up for adoption. I was just like, can I just keep her? Yeah, she's so um, cute. And she can't meow either. Yeah. She's well, her like, voice yeah. box is messed up too. So oh. she's got uh, one eye, no teeth, and her meow is very, very, very quiet. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. if she gets locked in a room, it's, you can't really hear her. Yeah. She's gotten in the pantry before and she's been in there for about 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, you poor little thing. Yeah, every once in a while she gets locked in somewhere and we're just like, we have no idea. Um, but that's why we had to adopt her and make sure that she's safe and healthy forever. Um, yeah. Anyway, her, I think, you know, she's probably some sort of Christian because she just goes along. <laughs> we're naming religions for the cats. Yeah. Because she's kind of like a sheep, you know, like she'll just do what she's told. If you're like, hey, Sophia, come here. She'll come here. Um, if you like tell her, like, get off the couch and put her down, she just walks away and goes about her business. Mm-hmm. Earl, our anarchist atheist, will question you. He'll pop right back up where you told him not to be. Um, he ha- You know, his moral compass is a little tilted. I love him because he's cute and he'll snuggle sometimes. He knows how to, you know, maximize oh, he's adorable. <laughs> uh, the love that you have for him. But, you know, I think Sophia might might have more of a follower path. Mm-hmm. Maybe she'd be a good nun. <laughs> you know, all the cats are she's abstinent anyway. Situation with her. Yeah, she's already got the black and white, so um, that might work out well for her. Yeah, get her a little cross. <laughs> Rosary. Yeah, they might I mean, like that. My them. grandma was like, she was very Catholic growing up, so I was around that, you know, where she had holy water, like, next to the door. I don't know how common that is in other, um, oh, here we go with the headphones, in other uh, people's homes, you know. I'm not sure if that's... I've seen the rosaries and the candles and the crosses everywhere and pictures of Jesus, um, as Jeff D. comic in New Orleans would say, in the different poses. Right. Um, <laughs> Touchdown Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that. I don't know if I've seen, maybe I'm not allowed to be around holy water. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, but how, like, that's why I think, you know, growing up cat, or around cat, because I know your grandmother and she is very religious and, you know, like she would never have thought about getting a divorce from her first husband um, who passed away and then she did get remarried, which right. is an acceptable thing to do in the church. But, you know, like some people will stay in a marriage situation or a family situation because the church dictates that they should. That's and is that is that moral? Is that more moral for her, or? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the answers to these no. questions. No, I can't answer because it her. depends on the person. She might I guess be listening. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for her, it, it was more moral. It's like this is what the Catholic Church says, and this is what I do. But you I know, think she fo- follows her own moral compass. I don't think she would have done. I think she probably made her own decision in that, like whatever she could live with versus like what the church could live with. Yeah. You know. Well, that's what people have to do, too. You know, another good cult uh, show was The Path, oh, which yeah, we watched. Um, and that was, you know, it was fictional, uh, loosely based on, you know, several religions and cults out there. Um, but that that was really interesting. The reason I thought of that is because a lot of uh, one of the. I want to say trademarks, one of the main tenants of uh 
being a, a classifying as a cult is that you, if somebody leaves or if somebody in your family is not part of the cult, then you are no longer allowed to associate oh, yeah. with like them. A defector. Yeah, a defector. Um, and so the path made me think of that because um, uh, the main character, you know, his he wasn't raised. Oh, in Oh, that this... might be from Riverdale. Okay, <laughs> it, it's all. <laughs> yeah, but basically, yeah. But he wasn't raised in that religion, and when he joined that religion, he had to basically say goodbye to you know everyone he ever knew in his whole life. Yeah, Scientologists do that. Yeah, and that's part of like what gets you, um, you know, to give everything you have to these uh, causes. If and you're I don't a Scientologist say that, you know? and you have a different opinion, give us a call. <laughs> but the Amish can't call us because they don't have phones. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when I was a kid, uh, my parents took us to uh, like Amish country, Pennsylvania. We went to went to Pennsylvania, spent a couple of days there. We went to Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania, where they have an amusement park, and then we went to where the Amish are. And I felt so weird. Like you go on these tours and you get to see how the Amish live, but it's just like these are real people living their real lives, and here we are, basically, you know, it's the way I feel about zoos. It's just like we've. Yeah, but at least they're in like where they want to be but like they don't need us coming down on a bus or in a car you know staring at them just living their lives like i wouldn't like that if they did that to us no like i wouldn't want like the amish horse and buggy to like come up to my work and just observe what i'm doing right i really wouldn't appreciate that but i remember as a kid thinking that but this is like you know a thing that people do and we think it's okay and it's like a weird kind of voyeurism not only that but you know a lot of people are judging how could they not have tv how could they not have phones how could they not have electricity right and it's like but some people prefer to live that way well i just got an alert on my phone speaking of technology quentin tarantino expecting first child with wife daniella Oh, good. Now we're a news show. <laughs> Let's see what else is going on in the world of entertainment. I like to see what my phone thinks I think is relevant. <laughs> Just going to go through this paperwork right here. Now we're, now we're a paperwork show. <laughs> oh, let's do ASMR. <laughs> I still don't like know what ASMR is. is. Well, it stands for like a bunch of things. What is it? It's just like you make sense. Like I know pe- people on podcasts like have you... done that where they're like, they have the popping thing or, you know. Yeah. It's like anything. Well, here's a kazoo, so that's not going to work. But um, it gives like makes the hairs on the back of your neck. Like it, you feel it in your body. Like a ASMR. What does it do? It's just you acknowledging have, that sound? I think that you, no, it's not. You feel something based on the sound. So if you're not feeling that, oh. you don't have that. <laughs> the component that makes you like ASMR. Well, I mean, it's kind of funny watching you do that. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I do feel I, even, something. Even if I'm doing it myself, like, here's like a little paper ruffling sound. So I can not feel it. everybody has ASMR. Well, not everyone has whatever the response is to okay. the ASMR. Unless that's the name of the response. But why is that so important? It's like really relaxing and like it's like binaural beats where like there's certain frequencies that will help you like fall asleep or like energize or you know something like that. I'm not an I'm not I'm not an ASMR expert, <laughs> unfortunately. So like by people you rustling that YouTube paper like that, that gives you comfort or it can upset you or 
No, it makes you feel it's like a biological response. Oh, like so that. I'm dead inside. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you will not be returning as a cat. <laughs> You're dead inside. Well, cats are dead inside too. Well, some of them <laughs> the way that they treat us for sure. Yeah. Well, we'll see what our phones tell us after this whole conversation. <laughs> we'll probably get advertisements for Scientology. Yeah, and ASMR. Yeah. Visit my YouTube channel, <laughs> ASMR.com. Are there a YouTube channel? There's a YouTube channel for everything. I don't know why I ever ask people, like, oh, can you find that on YouTube? I wonder if someone's, like, scrolling through the or flipping through the, <laughs> the channels and they're like, ASMR.com. Like, that might be an actual thing that I'm somehow just promoting yeah. accidentally. So we are not sponsoring ASMR.com. That's no. not a thing. That's just a made-up thing. See, I'm looking at all my alerts. They're all from People Magazine, so I, I don't know. I don't think I signed up for that, but maybe I did. Is it um, a Google alert thing? Yeah, it's my it's my news, my Apple News that tells me. So oh, it's why all don't about you just read your emails on on air. Let's do that. That'll yeah. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna say they're all about celebrities splitting up or getting married. Um, Larry King and seventh wife Sean are divorcing after 22 years of marriage. Katie Holmes and Jamie Foxx split after six years of dating. Oh no. Liam Hemsworth officially filed for divorce from Miley Cyrus after seven months of marriage, um, and then. A uh, stepdaughter who killed Dirty John Meehan reflects on the notorious abuser and con man three years later. That's that's different. Oh, and Dwayne Rock Johnson, The Rock Johnson marries life or longtime girlfriend Lauren Hashian, Hashian, and Grey's Anatomy star Camilla Ludington marries Matthew Allen in romantic California ceremony. Wow, I don't care about this stuff yet. Yeah, you're inundated with it all day. Every yeah, day. and I didn't request that at all. <laughs> I don't think anyone's requesting this, <laughs> what they're hearing right now. <laughs> oh, don't be self-effacing. Oh, no, I'm not. We help people pass the time. And I, I've asked a lot of questions that I've literally not answered at all, and you if, haven't either. So hopefully somebody out there is, is uh, yeah, having some dinner party conversation based off of this, um, you know, conversation. I'm enjoying it. I would listen to this. <laughs> After you're like, no one would listen to <laughs> no, this. No, that's the thing is it's the hot and cold, the egoic self and the non-egoic yeah. self. Well, then let's uh, stroke the ego a little bit. Tell us tell us a little bit about you. I know about you because I live with you. <laughs> um, but, you know, tell the folks out there about, about who you are and what makes you you. You know nothing about me. All right, go on. <laughs> um, wow. I... I'm an artist and uh, self-effacing and not self-effacing. <laughs> you're a drag queen. You're a, a singer. Queen, singer. I write a little ditty now and then. Songwriter, producer. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of shit. Yeah, stuff. I have my hands in a lot of pots. <laughs> yeah, well, um, you took. Uh, it's been a little over a year. You took the uh, New Orleans drag workshop I did, with Vin Santos, who's from here originally. Yeah. Tell local people about drag, the drag workshop. Local drag legend. <laughs> local drag legend. It's a 10 week it, like intensive where you're not just, you don't just learn about drag and the history of drag and how to perform, but also it's a, it's an experience. It's an emotional roller coaster and it helps you get in touch with yourself and your artistry in a way that I haven't done my whole life. So it was very eye opening to touch into like another gender another 
construct that's or not construct but lack thereof a construct yeah you can just be whatever and whoever you want to be in the moment it's great it's this piece of who you are or who a piece of you a piece of inside of you that you get to take outside and get to really focus on and really you know foster and nurture and it's really you know cool to see that because a lot of people think oh drag is just just put put on some makeup and you lip sync and it's it's so much more than that it's it's a part of who uh the drag queens and kings are as people um and and it's so fascinating to to watch you through that process and all the people that you did that class with or the workshop with and to see you guys performing now and producing your own shows and collaborating together and yeah it's a blast yeah and you've taken you a lot of different places. Yeah. I mean, you're doing your, um, you're making a show like yourself from start to finish with like one number. You're doing everything, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's different. I do stand up comedy, so I don't wear any makeup whatsoever. I wear sneakers. It's so a different kind deal. of vulnerability. Yeah. But I have to talk about my personal shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like if you're singing, there's no, especially like acapella, there's nothing between you and the audience. It's just your voice coming out. And I think stand-up has an element of that where you're just like, here I am, you know? Yeah. I mean, some people are very rehearsed, but I like off-the-cuff sh- stuff where, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the cursing game still, <laughs> um, where you can just, you know, riff, go with the flow versus like a theatrical type of presentation that's like very where you can tell it's just one two three four five six seven eight yeah like i like more like as jazz or improvisational i i like to you know i like to have myself prepared but to present it in a way that you feel like this is the first time right i'm ever presenting it well if you know it backward and forward then that you can play within those spaces yeah it's very it's I don't know if I just said it's like jazz, but it's very <laughs> much like jazz. <laughs> yeah. So what are, um, you have some upcoming performances in, in New Orleans. I do. If anyone's actually timing wise, leaving San Francisco to head to New Orleans, which is very, very hot right now. So I wouldn't recommend it. Um, cause what we've been told is your yeah, good weather's come. coming up, <laughs> but come to the show. If you're going to be there, if you're come, to be the there come to the show. <laughs> But it's very hot. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if this is like going to be your first glimpse of New Orleans, I wouldn't recommend now be that time. But I will say at the end of August, Labor Day weekend, we do have Southern Decadence, which is oh, I yes. call it Pride, too, because we do have Pride in pride June too. as well. But we've always had Southern Decadence and it's um, it's basically Pride, too. We have a parade. Um, we have tons of parties and drag shows and burlesque shows and comedy and um you know, big dick contests and all, all the things. And it's just a bunch of gay people that all come because in the South, New Orleans is like, we're a hub for the queer community for sure. Because like a lot of places, people still unfortunately cannot be who they are in their hometowns because it's not safe. There's still a lot of uh, discrimination. There's still a lot of harassment. There's still a lot of bullying. Um, but they can come to New Orleans and they can find that space there. So um, it is a big, huge, rainbow, fabulous celebration. So if you are coming to New Orleans anytime, uh, Labor Day weekend's a good time to do it. You can also just come in June for our Pride weekend uh, where the weather is a little better. Uh, not much. We have a gay Easter parade every Easter. You can come for that. That's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We celebrate being gay all times of the year. Um, 
But you have some shows coming up. <laughs> yeah, the 5th at... Um, September 5th. September 5th at Ace. We have a AFAB show with like 20, not actually 20, but maybe 20 yeah. different performers that are female at birth and uh, drag king presenting, drag queen presenting, drag alien presenting. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and that's... Oh, oh, go ahead. The 6th, uh, I'm in Biloxi. Mississippi. Just us. Yes, Mississippi. Is there another Biloxi? I don't know if people know what Biloxi is. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't Biloxi, know what it was until I moved there. And um, at Just Us for a show with Betty SM and um, some other queens over there. I'm not sure who else is on the show with me, actually. Yet, we'll find out together. Yeah, find out coming we'll up. We'll all go to Biloxi. And then September 10th is the Peaches tribute show. And that'll be at Always. Yeah, and that's going to be a fun one. Those are my three shows coming up. Yeah, well, I was going to say one thing that's cool about the New Orleans drag scene, and I don't know the San Francisco scene, but from what we've seen, it's also the case, is that it doesn't matter what gender you identify with, were born with, um, you can be included in that drag scene. Oh, yeah. It's alternative. Is that the... <laughs> no, I just made it up. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it is the alternative drag scene in New Orleans versus, yeah. like, pageantry or, you know... Nothing wrong with that, with pageantry. That's its own thing, and I respect that and admire it and love rhinestones and oh, yeah. the whole shebang. The big hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The crowns, to God. the sashes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like that New Orleans is very inclusive in, in its drag scene. Yeah. Yeah, we're really um, taking it to another level down there. Yeah, so when you're there, come and check it out. Um, always, it's A-L-L-W-A-Y-S. Uh, it's a great place. All of the ways. Yeah. it's We accept people who are always. Um, there's a lot of... There's shows there every night of the week. There's a lot of drag there. Um, there's some burlesque from Bella Blue, who's very well known in New Orleans and probably all over the world. Uh, there's comedy shows there. I host a queer storytelling show, um, which y'all actually have one out here in Oakland. Uh, it's called Greetings from Queer Mountain. Um, started in Austin uh, by... Uh, Ralphie Hardesty and Michael Folk and Michael Folk now lives in the East Bay and he runs one Greetings from Queer Mountain out in Oakland Um, so we have it in Austin New Orleans New York City Oakland um, and then we've been working on getting one up and going in Baton Rouge uh, Louisiana Baton Rouge is about 70 miles from New Orleans and uh, the Baton Rouge Pride Committee has been really focused on trying to get more queer events that are not during Pride and trying to get queer events that are not just like let's go to the bar and get really drunk Um, um, and hook up kind of things like community they want spaces yeah yeah community spaces uh spaces for queer voices to be heard and greetings from queer mountain if you haven't been is such an amazing beautiful time where it's just you have you know five to seven storytellers and they're just telling sometimes it's funny sometimes it's sad sometimes it's super vulnerable but it's just they're just sharing their truth on a space that's safe for them to do that and it's intimate and touching and um, eye-opening at the same time yeah, and you'll... Do you think you know a performer just because of how they are on stage or... And then getting to know them off the stage is a completely different experience. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, you'll, you'll go away from that show just feeling good. Um, we do ours in New Orleans um, every second Friday at 7.30. It ends about 9. And we like to do it that way because Friday, get off work, maybe hit happy hour, grab some food, watch our show, and then you can go out. You know, if you go out later, it's kind of a good warm-up to, like, give your weekend a nice, uh, a nice start. Yeah. Yeah, we have a good crowd come out, too. A lot of people that consistently come out and just really love the show versus, like, a ton of tourists or people just coming to like a one-off, you know, there's a consistent crowd that like, if we were to not be there, they're like, where is your show? Like, what? Yeah. You know, we had to was... cancel it when we had, I, I don't know if y'all, I, I think it was bigger news where we were. It was tropical storm Barry, um, was coming through and it was supposed to hit directly on new Orleans and it was supposed to hit that Friday that we had the show. Um, and the Wednesday, two days before the bar had flooded a foot of water. So we made the decision to cancel the show and then the storm didn't hit us at all. Yeah. Um, but we still, you know, we have to make that decision. It's a hard one to make. Same thing with the Gloria Estefan tribute show. We were supposed to have that that Friday and, um, you know, we had to cancel it. I mean, there, there were people that had like a lot of water in the French quarter too. It was like, yeah. I mean, a lot of people left like the minute they thought the storm was coming. If you're a lot of people's work was like, okay, we're closed the next few days. And then people just got out of town. Um, which is, you know, you want to do that or else we, you know, some people wait for the mandatory evacuation. Um, and then it's just a cluster. One time I evacuated to Atlanta. It's usually a seven hour drive. It was a 15 hour drive. Um, and so that was very, (laughs) very trying times and very hard and very stressful and you have to pee and you literally can't go anywhere. Right. But you can return to a home sometimes and that's, that's great. Yeah, so we had to we had to call that show, and a lot of people were really bummed about it, um, especially the people that stayed in town. Because the thing was, if you stayed in town, there was nothing to do because all the shows got canceled. Um, but we were all happy that New Orleans was okay, and everyone else was, you know, tropical storm didn't didn't hit anyone too hard. So um, yeah, you know, it, it ended up being okay for everybody. Um, but yeah, we we also produced a podcast called Near and Queer to My Heart. Uh, where we interview. And the whole idea behind that is um, you see performers on stage, queer performers on stage, and you get to know a piece of their life. But there's so much more to that. Um, There's so much more beyond the stage, beyond the five to ten minutes you see on stage. And so each episode of Near and Queer to My Heart, we interview a different queer performer um, about their life. And it's just all about who they are, how they got to be where they got to be. Um, And that you can find anywhere you get your podcast, whatever your favorite podcast listening thing is. Uh, we'll, we'll be there. Um, we have 42 episodes out. We're about to release a 43rd. Uh, we're hopefully going to record a few here while we're in San Francisco. Uh, so we're looking forward to that a lot. Um, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I recorded. Uh, I was here a couple years ago for uh, two, uh, last year, last March, for Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Yeah. And I recorded an episode with Jenna Vesper, who's a queer comic out of Portland, originally from the Napa area. And we had a great time, and the episode came out really well. Um, And so I was happy to be back here uh, recording and happy that my girlfriend could join uh, and see San Francisco and eat burritos with me. having a great time. (laughs) Yeah, we love the the weather here. We're getting a, a kick out of that. Also, just being so close to stuff. I know people... You know, they're like, oh, there's so many people and it's so crowded. And it's like, I love it. Yeah. It's a different energy. It's like being in the hub instead of the suburbs, basically. Yeah. And I mean, not New Orleans is not a suburb, but it you can see there's there's just a lot more traffic here. It's on another level. 
Yeah, New Orleans has about half a million people in New Orleans proper and about a million if you include all the suburbs around it. Um, and San Francisco has more than that just in this part of San Francisco. So um, just to give you an idea of the people. Just in what, like this, what, San Francisco radius? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> San Francisco versus like Oakland, Berkeley, uh, right, you right, know, right. Emeryville, et cetera. Yeah. But we're, we'll go. We'll go check out the East Bay. Um, I think we're gonna go out there tomorrow. Yeah, I definitely want to um, visit some places that I have bookmarked that we can talk about. Yeah, where, what do you want to visit? I want to see um, dog-eared books, and um, yeah, I don't even because yeah. you watch Tales from the City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just because I watch Tales from the City, but. Now specifically, <laughs> I mean, it's a bookstore that I'd like to visit, and then I watched Tales from the City, and heard about it, and said, in other words, bookstores are great. Yeah, this one specifically, I would like to visit. Oh, so some of the people that you've interviewed on Near and Quarter of My Heart include Vince Antos, who we just talked about, Marshall Warfield, um, Marshall Warfield, Judy he was Gron. yeah, G- Judy Gron. Marshall Warfield was on Night Court. Um, she played Roz on Night Court. She was um, a friend of Richard Pryor. She did a lot of comedy with him. She was on his roast when he had a show. Um, back in the day, she was on the show. Judy Gron, who is a poet and a revolutionary um, and a feminist and um, just a wonderful performer. Uh, she came to New Orleans, um, did a residency there, and we were able to interview her, which was really exciting. Commonality um, Institute. Commonality Blood. Institute, yeah, um, which is out. She's, they just do so many amazing things. Um, and if you don't know who Judy Gron is, you will read about her and realize you do know who she is because she's done so many wonderful things and she's been part of um, so many uh, different factions that were trying to fight for change for queer folks, for for women. Um, and she was really on the forefront of a lot of that. And she's still around to tell her stories and to share her experiences so that we don't forget uh, what people went through so that we could get to where we are today. So yeah. we can get to where we are, where, uh, you know, gay marriage is legal, where uh, there are certain protections that weren't there before, um, where, you know, like I said, it's not perfect and not everybody's at this place, but it is a lot better than it was 40, 50 years ago. And we have to remember. It's a great interview. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm biased. You are my girlfriend. <laughs> I will say that, but full disclosure, but um, no, it's a, it's a really good interview. But we interviewed the, the whole thing is there's so many different types of performers. So we've interviewed um, drag performers, uh, like I said, Vincentos, uh, Titty Baby, Mrs. Deacon Brown, um, Hail Satana, um, uh, drag performers. We've interviewed burlesque, uh, Zena Zeitgeist, who is uh, she's featured in, in Claws, and she does a lot of burlesque around New Orleans. Uh, we've had comedians, Shep Kelly, who's a fantastic comic um, out of the D.C. Baltimore area. Um, we've had storytellers, Genevieve Reams, who's our first uh, performer, uh, the first episode we had, uh, Alita Glass, who's a local New Orleans performer. We've, I mean, I can go on on Lisa Michaels out of Memphis, uh, who is a wonderful musician and stand-up. Um, we just had so many, we've had, uh, Tina Cacadellis, who's an author. She writes, uh, lesbian young adult fiction. 
um, and she has a, a trilogy of books that's really good. I was going to say they're actually good. It's not that. It's just like they're not meant for me. I'm 36. They're meant for uh, probably 14 to 15-year-olds, the way that the books are written. YA, but yeah. Yeah, YA. Uh, but they're so well done, and I actually really enjoyed um, reading them. And, and just having a, a – the thing is, this is what I told her in the interview, is you have a protagonist, Carly Allen, who is – gay she is in high school and gay and that's not what the book's about <laughs> the book's like just about her life and like you can move past the like the whole thing's not her coming like she's already come out she's already had a girlfriend right. she's already had her heart broken it's not always a coming out story yeah like every person who's gay on screen does not have, to have a coming out story on screen <laughs> but when we grew up we did oh yeah no because that's what you wanted to see because that's what you were experiencing yeah. for sure what's your favorite lesbian movie <laughs> or tv show or tv movie Oh, um, wow. That well, what's is, the first thing you thought of when I L asked word. that question? L, L word, word. okay. the first thing I thought of. Yeah, but I watched that, like, all of it recently. I yeah. was way behind on the L word. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, you're not a real lesbian if you haven't seen the L word. I know, okay, you're like, right. who is Jenny? Why does everyone hate Jenny? I know, we were in a pool, and, like, this big party, and this person was like, oh, you're such a... I don't even know who they I said. I hope they didn't say Jenny, I'll kill him. No, um... Oh gosh, what Marina? was her name with the short hair? Alice? Shane? Shane? Yeah, and I was like, I don't think that I'm that person, but I don't Someone know who that person is. Someone thought you were a Shane? Is. You yeah. got swagger. Oh, like... Shane's, Shane cannot, got all the ladies. Yes, I cannot agree with that more. <laughs> <laughs> but Shane's a player. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Shane's a heartbreaker, and I hope you're not those things. I like the artist chick, too, that was played by the deaf... Oh, yeah, Actress. Marley Matlin. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that Jody. was cool. Aren't they? They're doing the reboot. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be in the reboot. Sybil Shepard was in the old one. Jennifer Beals. Sybil uh, Shepard was in it? Yeah, she was a, the university lady. I just watched all of these. Yeah. Like, I, have to watch them <laughs> I haven't seen it in five years. Before but... the reboot? Yeah. Sybil Shepard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. She, she was with... Um, if you're tuning into our L Word podcast. <laughs> well, there's enough L Word podcasts no, out there. I'm sure. <laughs> there are. People are very devoted to that show, apparently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They had a very. I mean, I was telling you, but when that show came out, this was when like DVDs were still a thing. And they used to have in like six different cities in the country, they would have a watching party. And um, I was living in New York at the time for one of them. And I went to the watching party and Shane and Alice were supposed to be there. Um, and we waited in line for hours and we got in oh, wow. and neither one of them was there. Um, and But when you left the watch party, which you couldn't hear or see anything really, it was like so crowded. Um, and they put it on a screen and played it. But like, I don't, don't know what happened. But then they gave you this disc and it had three episodes or two episodes of the show on it so you got it before anyone else could watch it oh wow That's and that was yeah that was an oh wow it was so it was so exciting was really into the album. yeah and then you came home and watched it like four times so you knew like the first few episodes really well yeah because i just you just turned me on to veronica mars which i hadn't <sighs> seen and that's that show was really cute yeah so if i was like if that was out when i was like <laughs> growing up like it i was. feel like i would well i mean it, it was but like <laughs> I, it's all about exposure you know yeah. i wasn't exposed to that so it's well, it was on um, the thing with Veronica Mars is it was originally on the UPN um, network, oh, so it, it wasn't on a popular network. 
And then UPN joined together with the WB and became the CW. And so it was one of those shows that they kept like telling them they were going to get canceled and they try to wrap it up nicely for the, you know, try to satisfy the audience, but then they wouldn't get canceled. And so it kind of, you know, fell apart because they weren't getting, um, they need to know what's going on. That's what happened with Firefly. I don't know if there's any Firefly nerds out there. It was a Joss Whedon show. Fantastic show. Um, but they kept getting canceled and not canceled. So halfway through the season, you think it's wrapped up. And then they were given another five episodes. So they roll with it. But it's if they had just been given a proper arc... Um, and the fans have fought for years to try to get um, <laughs> to try to get a reboot for that. The problem with for Firefly, Firefly yeah. yeah. The problem with Firefly is it costs so much money. Like the first episode, I think costs like a million dollars to make um, because of all the different. They have different planets and different spaceships and all sorts of different things. So um, you know, it was just like it was a lot for uh the station to take on so um that's different than veronica mars where you just need like a high school <laughs> and they can work or a college you know they can work around that yeah the um, reboot has Patton oswalt in it and it's real. i thought it was really cute yeah the reboot's really good the movie was okay the movie was just like for the fans um and i say that being one of the kickstarter backers <laughs> <laughs> With your Veronica Mars t-shirt. Um, yeah, you got, if you were a Kickstarter backer, you could buy a t-shirt for 25 bucks and support the movie. Uh, so I was like, absolutely. Um, so Veronica Mars was the first movie that was like fully funded by Kickstarter, like major motion picture. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, that was that. fully funded by Kickstarter. And immediately after Veronica Mars was successful, Zach Braff tried to raise funding to do like a Garden State too, and everyone hated him for it because Zach Braff at the time was the highest paid actor on television. Oh, and, he's a scrub. I love Garden yeah, State. I didn't really get into scrubs. And uh, and he made a ton of money from Garden State, so people were like, you don't need the funding for this. But like right. Veronica Mars, they literally tried for 10 years to get someone to fund the movie, and the studios wouldn't fund it. And they were like, we don't have a choice but to ask for help for this movie right. you know and he, it was worth it like you That's got so for 25 bucks yeah i got a t-shirt and i got a, a digital copy of the movie so and, and a t-shirt you yeah. already said a t-shirt i did say and that t-shirt <laughs> i almost bought for a thousand bucks you could have got a walk on as an extra what yeah i know and if i had like a thousand free dollars and they were filming in austin texas money talks so you know i could have just driven it out there it's like an eight hour drive that would have been a cool thing to say that you did <laughs> you're like there's my thousand <laughs> like walking across the screen what's on your on your bucket list Oh, definitely to be an extra in the Veronica Mars movie. I'm going to have to <laughs> Part go back two. in time. I'm going to have a Kickstarter. Just to insert yourself. Just to insert myself into a Veronica <laughs> Mars movie. No, I thought, you know, you've... Wait. Off topic. You've put me onto shows that, like, were on during my life that I just wasn't exposed to. And uh, I thank you for that. Oh. Even when they're horrible. Because <laughs> it's still a connecting moment. Pretty Little Liars is what she's talking about. That um, is, wow. You're a mind reader. That is exactly what I'm talking about. Bucket which is, list. I will stand by that show. It is a good show. Also, another show where there's a lesbian character that's just a character. Like, I'm the only one saying lesbian character. One of the girls is a lesbian, and nobody cares about it. And... <laughs> And, and that's so nobody cares Karen <laughs> I mean it's just so great to see that to see kids growing up where that's a normalized thing for them because we no, didn't be. we didn't have that like we had the uh, Ricky on my so-called wife who definitely dealt with a lot of crap um and you know a couple like but I'm a cheerleader and some other things like that but we it wasn't really you know 
if anyone was mentioned being gay, it was that was the topic. That was their character. They were this two dimensional character who they had a coming out story or they were like a homeless because their family kicked them out or it was some terrible thing like that. You know, it right. wasn't just like, OK, there's Emily and she's taking Paige to prom and we don't care about it. And that's just such a nice thing. Anyway, back to your bucket list. Oh, yeah. Back to my bucket list. Well, I'd like to travel to like everywhere. Okay. Like I'd. I really would like to be my own like Google Maps where if you're like, oh, have you ever been to Hong Kong? I could go, oh, yes, this is exactly what it looks like. If you go down <laughs> this street and tur- turn right, then you'll find this. That's so travel okay. the whole world. Like there's not even specific places. It's like, well, I'll, I'll, I take that back. I'd love to go to Scotland just um, based on my background my what family. is it? family my uh ancestry. ancestors <laughs> yes there we go my ancestors um yeah i'd like to go to amsterdam i'd like to go to japan i'd like to go to um topeka kansas <laughs> indianapolis indianapolis is on my bucket list oh god i know you have an indianapolis joke Sounds like major shade to Indianapolis, but no, they agree with me. That's that's what's great. So I have a joke about how Indianapolis is terrible, and I've told it in front of people that are from there. Um, and I ask them like what their food is. You know, when you go to New Orleans, is th- I'm gonna do the whole joke, but like you go to New Orleans, you know what you're gonna eat. You're gonna get po' boys, and we have crawfish season, and oysters, and seafood, and jambalaya, and gumbo, and so many amazing things. And you go to Indianapolis, like well, what do you eat? You know. And I asked my Lyft driver, who was this older lady, born and raised in Indianapolis, and she told me Texas Roadhouse. So she gave me the name (laughs) of a restaurant with another state's name in it as the best they had to offer. But I've done that joke a bunch of times, and a few times people have been from Indianapolis, and before I tell them what the Lyft lady said, I said, well, what's your food? And one lady said corn, (laughs) and one lady said beef, and it's like, okay, well, that's I'm not just going to order beef right at the restaurant can i get corn i heard your corn's just there's a plate full of corn please and then one lady just said frozen it's not even like a souffle it's just like just <laughs> yeah corn. It's, that's what i'm saying it's not like a, like yeah a corn on the cob corn souffle it's like lady can corn. you be more specific please <laughs> like you know uh beef on a bun like anything it's just it was you know and one lady just said frozen so um i felt pretty good about about the telling the joke after that and nobody's taken offense to it um, the other part of the joke is that happy hour is illegal in the state of Indiana, and that's a terrible thing because if you don't have a happy hour, you just have 24 sad hours. <laughs> they have this weird thing in Indianapolis, so you can't have a happy hour, but you can have a special that goes all day. So that's what they have. So that's what is every Wednesday at the place that I was doing comedy at, they had, you can get this thing called the growler. I don't know if San Francisco or California has these. This is a... I just think drunk people in glass is a stupid idea, but a growler is like a 64-ounce jug, glass jug, that you can buy and fill up with beer, and they'll seal it, and then you could take that with you home. And and Or not home. Or not home, but or you right can't drink it anywhere because it. <laughs> <yeah, laughs> it's illegal. But they, but they can't get a to-go cup. You can't have like a plastic cup to go, but they'll give you a 64-ounce of glass filled with beer. Yeah, that doesn't... It's really illogical equate. to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's on my bucket list too. <laughs> Getting growlers. a growler. Getting a growler, but growler like of beer. Full of vodka, soda, lemon. <laughs> With the bucket list, there's so much that I want to do. It's like, it's really hard to narrow down because I want to experience everything. So I think getting into specifics, I don't even think about that. I want to be in the World Series of Poker. Ah. That's on my bucket list. It costs like $20,000 to enter, or you can earn it by like playing in a bunch of tournaments that probably cost $20,000. But you could win $7 million, you know? It's a gamble. <laughs> you do love gambling. You do. I do. And one day I'll have the money to do it. I don't know what else is on my... You know, travel's on a lot of people's bucket lists. I, I think it's important to see and experience things. Um, I don't know. I used to want to fly my own plane. I thought it'd be fun to be in the pilot seat oh i want to jump out of one (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to skydive i don't feel like i need that experience oh i think that'd be so fun yeah you get motion sickness yeah i'd probably just throw up on myself (laughs) oh my gosh i did that tuesday night (laughs) (laughs) and you weren't even skydiving (laughs) no i was laying on my bed Oh shoot! No, it, it wasn't Tuesday. Dive. It was a week and a half ago. <laughs> last Tuesday, <laughs> right? She's she's matured since then. I have. She throws up in a in a trash can now. In a spew, spew in this. <laughs> we keep the streets clean. <laughs> we do for sure. I um, I don't know. Where else would be on a bucket list? Is there a specific place that you'd like to visit? You've traveled. Yeah, well, the next place I want to go is Greece. Um, probably just because Pam's there and I saw her pictures and I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> and I also love the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Um, that movie and then Mama so Mia. So the reasons are Pam yeah. and the Sisterhood of the Traveling That's Pants. That's a good movie. I'll stand behind that any day. Not culture, not <laughs> scenery. Well, it's so beautiful. That's the thing. Like you, I'm seeing the beauty that's there and I want to be in that. I want to go back to Italy. I went to Italy in 2010. I'd love to go to Italy. Um, it was after my very first breakup. And I, this was before, I want to say it was before, it was before I knew Eat, Pray, Love existed. I don't know if Eat, Pray, Love already existed. But I want to say it was before that because I decided that I was going to go to Italy on my own because why not? Why wait for to find someone to travel with or experience that? Why not just go on your own and just do what you want? And so I went to Rome and Florence by myself for 10 days and I had such a great time I woke up when I wanted to I walked around I ate god knows how much gelato and pasta (laughs) and pizza and any sort of carbs um and I had a fantastic time and I would highly recommend traveling by yourself I stayed in hostels so I did have like you know it wasn't just me in my head all day um it was nice but everyone was traveling by themselves it was people older than me people younger than me uh just traveling around just wanting to experience things and not wanting to wait around for you know uh someone else or other opportunities to do it so I'd also like to go to Australia Oh, yeah. That's been one of the places I want to go. Uh, Japan's definitely on my list because they love cats and I love cats. Um, Yeah, there's just a lot of different places. But I think Greece is something that's like affordable and something that you could do within like a week's time. I feel like Australia, you really need like two solid weeks because it's like a 24-hour trip to even get there. Yeah. Um, And then probably like a day of recovery and then a 24-hour trip. So I feel like you need to go at at least 10 days but probably two weeks to really like But if we went from somewhere else... You know, from traveling, like if we were closer to what's closer, 
I don't know. I'm going to test you on a map now. (laughs) They often exclude New Zealand from maps. That was a thing that like. Oh yeah. I'd like to go to New Zealand. I saw Lord of the Rings. I haven't seen that. It was all filmed in New Zealand. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I want to go to that cat hotel in Tokyo. (laughs) There's probably a few of them. That's the return to cats. Yeah. And also karaoke. If you're just tuning in. Yeah, no, well, cats will keep coming back around as a theme. They're amazing. Um, we should just put dot, 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 and cats on any yeah. show that we do. Don't call me Tim. Oh, call a, me a fully kitty. cat. What's that? Because it's called Don't Call Me Tim. Oh, right, right, right. I thought you were say, just saying, don't call me Tim. <laughs> um, on mutinyradio.fm. Yeah, we're all here together hanging out. It's, uh, you know, cats, the Egyptians had it right. They revered cats. Yes. They knew. That's why their civilization lasted forever. (laughs) We have no choice but to revere cats. They won't have it any other way. No. Back to the ego. They have the (laughs) ego. We like to make the return to the previous topics constantly. It's called the callback in comedy. And you're right, a comedic callback. genius when you do it in a stand-up routine. Mm. Um, when you do it in conversation, people don't like it as much. Oh, whoops. <laughs> like, remember five minutes ago when we just talked about that? They, they don't enjoy that at all. What are we doing the rest of today? We're looking for some karaoke? Yeah. Um, I thought that was a, a different night. but Well, the, the queer karaoke that we planned on doing is not tonight. Um, it's Friday night, but Friday night we'll be here because there's a mic here at Mutiny Radio, an open mic. So anybody that wants to do comedy, come on out from six to eight. You can sign up. You get some time. You get to do some comedy. And then from eight to ten, there's a showcase. Uh, it'll be myself. Uh, there's another comic who was living in New Orleans from here originally. He's back in town here, living here. Um, you may have seen him as your Lyft driver, uh, but you can see him on stage, Jake Cosden. And then there's some other folks uh, from. Uh, this area who are uh, stand-ups here uh, and they'll be here for you to do there's uh, Victor Trevino and Warhol Kaufman um, and Vishal Call and a few other folks that we got on the show so I'm very excited to be hosting that um, and that'll be Friday from 8 to 10 and if that uh, I guess maybe if karaoke's still going after that we can hit that up um, that's queer karaoke uh, with uh, DJ Dana uh, who randomly went to high school with my aunt back in Monticello, New York. <laughs> so I love how everybody's connected in this lovely, crazy world. I know it's one thing that I constantly want to know about is like, not like who do people know, but like how many degrees of separation are there between you and I? Like when you first meet someone, yeah, and you're like, oh, like so you know, oh, lesbian Jen, <laughs> yeah, of course I know her. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, when we first met, when Jessa and I uh, first met, we had one degree of separation between us because we already had a mutual friend. It was my friend, uh, Chris, who she went to high school with. Uh, right. And college. For, and college. Yeah. But they met going to high school together. Right. And we'd both been to Chris's house at different parties. Uh, we'd probably been in the same space. She'd seen a show of mine. We'd probably been in the same space in other contexts multiple times and yeah, just we never. Yeah, we were at Country course. Club, uh, which used to be a clothing optional uh, pool in New Orleans. Now uh, clothing is not optional, but it's still 
um, a, a nice uh, pool. New Orleans, we don't have a lot of pools. I don't know if San Francisco has a lot of pools. We don't have a lot of pools in New Orleans. So uh, Country Club, it's not like a country club. They just call it Country Club, but they do have like good food and a bar and an outdoor pool. Brunch. And they do a drag brunch and they got a um, hot tub and you just go and hang out and good vibes. They got a bar outside, a bar inside. Yeah, they do drag brunch. They I think it they do totally trivia sometimes. Like at the time that we're talking about, for sure. That was Goddess and She. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Goddess and She, who were on the L Word soundtrack. <laughs> they used uh, to play, um, like, movies on the back. Like, Bound. I remember Bound was played. <laughs> Probably does, often. She doesn't forget Bound. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen Bound, watch it and then replay that conversation. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so Country Club used to project things on the back of their wall. But they had Goddess, and she came and performed for one of the uh, decadence uh, celebrations that we had. And uh, Jessa was definitely there, and I was definitely there um, because I was running the raffle. um, Because that's my favorite thing to do is to announce winners. Yeah. Anyway, we had had a lot of interactions before we actually interacted with each other. and so that's really cool, you know, just to like go through that and see that. And we see all the time. Well, you know, she'll be like, oh, meet my, and I'm like, I already know that person. Like we kind of, that happens a lot to us as well. Right. It's like I was saying, it's the six degrees of separation thing. I find that so interesting. Yeah. Especially in other cities. It's like Jake Cosden, he used to live in New Orleans, right? Yeah. So yeah. Jake Cosden, he'll be on the show Friday. Um, he's from Bay Area. Um, and he lives in New Orleans. For, I think he's going back and forth. I'm not really sure what he's doing. I didn't know he was back here. <laughs> he messaged me because he saw my Facebook post that I was in town. And I said, hey, come do the show that I'm hosting. Um, and so I'll get to see him. But, yeah, I mean, you just you never Some know. people from Boom Boom Room. Yeah, that, so. Um, do the Bowie thing. Roxanne Redmeat and Lysol Tony Romeo. They came to New Orleans for the Bowie show that we did. And it was drag and performance art and, um. We got to see them the other day being here. Yeah, we were over at the Stud, uh, which was a, it's a great bar. And we caught a show and we got to catch up with them. And Jessa last Wednesday had done a, a Bowie tribute show over at One Eye Jacks in New Orleans. And they'll be doing one again, I think, this November. They're coming back. Um, oh, that's the Pink Floyd show. Isn't that here? Is that here? The Pink Floyd show they're doing here. And then they said they were coming back next year or maybe next year for Bowie. Oh, okay. Right. right. Um, so they do a Bowie tribute show and they do one here. Um, and they said that the one here is like super packed and it's been very well established. And New Orleans, this was the first time that they did it there. And they definitely packed the house and it was a ton of fun. And people were dressed up and everyone knew the songs. And it was all these different great uh, drag performers and queer performers. And just, you know, it was such an amazing time. So it was good to like meet them in New Orleans and then come to San Francisco and, and be able to link back up with them. Right. Like a touchstone. Yeah. <laughs> touchstone of a person. Yeah, for that. sure. Touchstone. Right. Of We're bringing person. New Orleans to San Francisco, <laughs> San Francisco to New Orleans. Yeah. And that's why I think what Vincentos has done. He's gone back and forth with San Francisco and in New Orleans as far as performance. Um, he came here. Was, he was here with Peter Murphy, right? for uh to do some singing um vincentos they call him the uh the grandmother of drag in new orleans because uh, he got a lot of things going and he's really um made a lot of shows happen in, in new orleans and really cultivated the scene plus he does this drag workshop um which they're they just have their 10th 
cycle of draguits they call they them just draguated last night yeah so each cycle has a, at least 10 people i'd say in each cycle and that's now 10 cycles so that's at least 100 new drag queens running around new orleans um <laughs> Some people take the workshop, though. It's the same with, like, improv or comedy workshop. Like, some people take it just to just to experience it. They don't plan on performing. They just wanted to learn something new, try something new. And some people take it, and it changes their life in that they become performers. Some people, it changes their life in that it just gives them more confidence to go about their day. Um, so it's just a really cool time. Like, yeah, like improv workshops? Yeah. It's, like, kind of getting out of your comfort zone. It's like, I'm a ball of nerves during an improv <laughs> workshop. Just like, what? Yeah. And I took, I did an improv workshop, um, at, and there were six of us in there. And out of the six of us, two of us still perform regularly. And the other four, um, you know, one lady, she's like a grandma and just wanted to take it for fun. Like, just, you know, she wasn't looking to turn it into something, but right. she's happy she did it and it made her life better. Um, Getting out of your comfort zone is really important. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, and. (laughs) Yes, also. It's just, it's a good thing for life. As much as, like, people want to knock on improv, like, just having a yes, and attitude uh, can really be helpful just to give things a chance and to also, like, learn how to work with others. When you do improv, it's not just about you. Like, you have to work with someone else in a scene that you're making up in the moment. Yeah, versus Um, stand-up, too. Yeah, and you have to let go of the ego a little bit and just roll with what somebody else is doing. That's what, that's where the whole yes end becomes so important. It's not just like, okay, I'm like, hey, look at us. We're in this vampire's den. And you're like, oh, and then I open a door and we're not in a vampire's den. <laughs> right. Like it doesn't really cultivate the scene or paint it in a way. Yeah. Like it's you trying no. to control. Right. Versus just going with what they said. You're supposed to say, yes, okay, you're in a vampire's den. What's in a vampire's den? It's like a harmony thing. Yeah. You have to be harmonious with other players, too. Otherwise, your whole scene is just in the tank. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't perform improv re- oh, regularly. Uh, makeup, improv, and drag. They combine improv and drag, and that's something in New Orleans that's Yeah. Really- and they are, yeah. that's the best improv I've ever seen in my life. So great. And I stand behind that 100%. But drag queens doing improv is amazing. They do it all the time anyway. If you've ever seen a drag queen host a show or just have a conversation, they are ready to go with the comebacks, with the sassiness, with the whatever. And they, um, it's just such a good time. So once again, check that out when you're in New Orleans. We're just, New Orleans should pay us at this point, right? They should have funded We're our trip. We're just talking about New Orleans in San Francisco. <laughs> but I just want to, you know, I like to let folks know, like, we do have all these scenes that are being cultivated and, um, you know, and some of it comes from folks from here moving there. Um, and I know you guys have a great scene for things here, too. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, it's good to know that culture is in New Orleans and to let people know, because a lot of people, if you haven't been to New Orleans, you just hear what you hear on the news. Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras. Yeah, hurricane, maybe hurricane, hurricane. you watched Treme or maybe two of you watched Kayville when it was on <laughs> uh, <laughs> the CW with Anthony Anderson. What a terrible... Yeah, I saw quite a few episodes of that. What a terrible show. I watched Aww. one episode and... Were you living in New he Orleans? He was like, I'm time? eating my poor boy. And I was like, next. Um, oh, yeah, I was living in New Orleans. It was... You were like already over it. Yeah. But Tremaine's pretty, uh, they get, they get the grit and the heat and you the... have to get past the pilot. Cause it's like, well, for me, it was, yeah, it was like kind of fisheye lens and a little bit, the perspective was a little skewed and, um, then it gets like really, really good. Yeah. I loved it. 
Yeah, it was a well done show, and they filmed it actually on location in New Orleans, and used a lot of a lot of people we know were extras in it. Um, um, which you know, are you saying that because I was an extra? In it? <laughs> Did you forget that? I, yeah, I, I was talking about like your aunt and some people I know. Oh um, yeah. They, they were... Yeah, they were they were filming it near my work, and they off like they put a thing in that you could be an extra if you want. A lot of people like left work to do it. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't, because I didn't want to be outside. It was hot. I don't do well with outdoors. But, yeah, I mean, it's good when shows, like, are authentic. I mean, that's why, like, you know, it, like, The Wire, I, I mean, I don't know if, you know, the, the plot points were, as, but they filmed it in Baltimore. They filmed it in the locations um, that they're talking about versus, like, on a soundstage somewhere else the most recent person that you interviewed was from baltimore yeah she was like it's just like the wire <laughs> it's like how you what you say about treme too it's just yeah. like it's not you know like you don't walk out of your house and it's well i don't know what her exact experience was but the way that she was saying it was quite sarcastic yeah that was what nikia hampton um That's episode interview 42 of near and queer to my heart yeah that was a good one it was her first ever um she was in new orleans for the black girl giggles comedy festival and um it was her first ever podcast interview and we did it at my office don't tell my boss um because <laughs> uh, i had to catch her she was only in town for a few days so it was just a matter of you know the scheduling it but she was she's really interesting she's born and raised in baltimore a couple years back moved to seattle uh, identifies as bisexual um which is uh something she's still struggling with um as far as her identity and had a very real good conversation about what that means and what it means um in society and what it means when you're interacting with individuals and um Former. Yeah, and, and doing it, on, talking about it on stage and uh, dealing with your family and all the different aspects of that. So, because um, it was more or less like her thing was like she has always identified as bisexual, uh, but most of her or all of her like serious relationships have been with men. Um, and part of, you know, she's, she's 26, so I think she still has some uh, learning and growing to do. Um, I, this is my no, opinion. Not in a bad way. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think she is aware that, you know, she's like, okay, well, number one, it's just easier uh, to be in a heteronormative relationship for just a lot of aspects of my life where you don't have that extra layer of queerness. Um, but I think also part of her was a little scared um, because it was, you know, she's definitely has had relations with women, but like I said, no serious long-term relationships. Um, and I think that's a space she's still working on navigating. And I say good for her. Yeah, it's great. Well, like, what was your opinion of uh, her interview and, like, kind of her takes on things? I, th I think she's fantastic. I think she's a natural. And even listening to her stand-up at the end of the interview, because there's a clip. We'll take, like, a clip of music or their stand-up and put that at the end so you can, after the interview, know what their performance shtick is like. And um, I thought that that – I thought she was great. That's very vague. Um, I also thought the – bisexuality conversation as far as like having people on stage who are talking about heteronormative relationships and then people that come up to us after the show and they're like I don't want to hear you know yeah that's just because someone's bisexual and they're talking about a heteronormative relationship doesn't mean that they're any less bisexual or any less queer and I think that a lot of performers struggle with that yeah, absolutely. That, that's been a common thing. We've had it, uh, Greetings from Queer Mountain, the storytelling show. I've definitely had a few um, bisexual or uh, 
performers who identify as um, in uh, in other ways, yeah, pansexual. Anyone who has as part of their identity still has uh, is inclusive of heteronormative relationships. Um, if they tell a story on a queer stage about a heteronormative relationship, uh, we've definitely had some feedback from that um, that wasn't always positive. And for me, I say if you identify as queer in any way, shape, or form, you're welcome on our stage, and I don't censor you. I'm not going to tell you don't talk about this relationship over this relationship. We're happy that you're here, but a lot of bisexual folks, especially when they're in heteronormative relationships that I've had conversations with, don't feel... um, either don't feel like they have the right to be part of the community or they don't feel welcome in the community or they don't know where their place is in the community. Um, and I still think that's a very important, um, that they are part of the community no matter what relationship they have because even if they're in a heteronormative relationship they still identify as queer and that's still a part of them and that doesn't go away yeah we shouldn't be taking away anyone's queerness yeah and i'm not boxes on people in a way that they're they can't be included and that's not up to me to <laughs> no. to dictate and it's not up to some of our audience members to, to dictate you're not gonna censor and say hey can i see what you're gonna say can you send me you know a copy no. of your text before you get up on stage that would be horrible no i tell people the only thing i censor them on is time because we have to run a show right (laughs) um and that's really it i don't know what most people are going to talk about before they start um if they choose to share it with us uh to get feedback or just some people like to tell you everything about their life great i'm all ears but i will never force that out of you I think it's important you can't say that you run a safe space if you don't actually commit to running the safe space. Yeah. And also for you to, you know, be vulnerable at that. Vulnerability is so hot right now. <laughs> it's always been hot. It's just been underrated. I know. I agree. I mean, well, you know, it's I'm scary. a heart for sure. Yeah. I'm a, I can be an oversharer. <laughs> But is that a thing in overshare? I don't I don't know. I really don't because I think sometimes people are are really like if you know you talk about like experiences or trauma, but especially in the queer community shared trauma is definitely a thing. So you know, it's um it can get too deep too fast for some people, I believe. They're like, "Whoa, not ready for that. We're at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even gotten my bloody mary can I yet. Get some coffee, please." <laughs> yeah, caffeine is key with the sharing, <laughs> right? I got to be awake and alert for that. Now, the only time I think people overshare is when they just get into too much detail. I'm just like, "I get it. You're at your house. I know what your house looks like. I've been in your house. Don't describe your couch to me." What is this like? Like a Hemingway thing? <laughs> and the long blades of grass. Uh, I took, <laughs> I took a, a, a English class at a community college, and um, we were reading a John Grisham book because <laughs> that's what you read in community college. And the teacher loved it because the book we were reading is called The Partner, and it started off Rio de Janeiro sunset or something you know it's just like it's like a script yeah and she's just like you just know where you are <laughs> this is great it's like picture it sicily yeah. 1922 <laughs> that's he she was one of those like older ladies that also acts like a child um i love it <laughs> which was so we also read the princess bride because that's what you read in community college which was actually a really good book um and she was telling us she had this she brought in her original copy of princess bride which she got like when it came out and she's clearly read it like hundreds of times it was all torn to pieces um and she got i had the chance to meet the author 
Um, and she went and she brought him this tattered book and she asked him to sign it and she was telling him, she's pouring her heart out about like, oh, look, look at all the times I've read this book and it means so much to me. And he basically scoffed at her because he's kind oh of, yeah, he was kind of a dick and it like broke her heart. So when she was like telling us the story, yeah, <laughs> yeah, when she was telling us the story, she was like almost in tears, but she's like, we still read the book because I love it. And I was just that like, is so sad. I know if you're just tuning in, this is not a really <laughs> sad show. We promise. No, but William Goldman, I'm watching you. Oh, should we say, oh, it's mutiny radio.fm. <laughs> yeah, they know they're here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't know. You're supposed to. These say- are not the opinions of Mutiny Radio. These are the opinions of Amanda G and Jessa Fallon slash last one last Wednesday. But that one was just my opinion. So, right. William Goldman, leave Jessa Fallon alone. Just come after me. I just think that is so sad when you do meet your heroes, and and it's so disappointing. And it's like he's at an like he's at a book signing. He should know people are going to come up to him and say things have you ever been disappointed meeting a hero no i don't think i have yet the only time and it wasn't his fault was and he's not my hero either but i went to an autograph signing for enrique iglesias um back in the day my friend michelle and i went and um it was so crowded this was back when his like first english uh, album came out and he was like the popular the most popular dude so he did a performance on sunset at the at the time the virgin record store right um and we got into the performance and then there was a line the thing the thing i was messed up too is you could go to the performance we got there early waited all freaking day he did three songs and we got into the performance but while we were at the performance there was a line around the block for people that were just waiting for just the autograph oh no so then we had to finish watching the performance and then get in the line at the end of the line to get the autograph. No. So we had to wait another like freaking forever. But, but, but I guess then people were calling the cops to complain that there was like too many crazy ladies like on the street. Um, I, I don't know. Not, it was just too many like screaming women. So then the cops ordered them to move faster. So we oh didn't goodness. get to like meet him. So they gave us um, the CD booklet, you know, the little booklet that comes in the CD that was already pre-signed by him. So he didn't like put like to Amanda, to Michelle. Oh, no. um, and then they basically like, we didn't even know we like met him. Like they basically were like, go. They, they, he comes, he's like tall. He's actually like six, six feet tall. Me and Michelle, she's a little taller now, but we were like kids. So we were like five feet or whatever. Grabs us. They took a picture and then that was it. And then we were out. Wow. And we're like, what happened? Yeah, that's... <laughs> um, that so it was just a disappointing experience, but that Enrique Iglesias was just too popular. So um, I guess that's not a bad problem for him to have, but it didn't... Any other autograph signings I've been to felt like very intimate and you got like at least a moment, you know? Right. Like I met Sybil Shepherd at the uh, UCLA has a book fair every year. And when I was a child, I was like in sixth grade and this is a terrible... And we might... Um, yeah. Anyways, it's not a terrible story. It's a weird, weird story. Um, but my dad this took is me. Terrible. Please yeah, stay tuned. It's, it's more like I should check in with people before I say things. Um, Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. So she so had to check in with her. Oh, you mean your dad checking? Yeah. In with your dad. Well, no. It was just so it was me and my dad, and it was a book fair. It was amazing. UCLA book fair. Right now, when they have it, it's like people figured it out, and it's super packed and stupid, and um, it's just like wall-to-wall people back in the day like it wasn't as packed and you can move around and Sybil Shepard had just put out her autobiography and um she gave a little talk and if you paid you bought the book for 20 bucks and then
and um, you got to meet her. So we bu- I bought her a Civil Disobedience as a book. <laughs> um, and then you get to wait in line and meet her. And I'm in like fifth or sixth grade. So I'm like 11 or 12. I'm just with my dad. Uh, and I go up to her and I said, I loved you in Taxi Driver. <laughs> And she looked at my dad like, "How? Why'd you let this little girl watch Taxi Driver? <laughs> um, you know, Taxi Driver is a movie where Robert De Niro takes her to a porn theater for her birthday. Like, I mean, for their date. So it's not really like the movie that you're like fifth or sixth grade, you know, daughters. And I just remember her like, my dad was just like, "Why'd you say that? Like, it made <laughs> me look like a really crappy dad." But he, me, and him really love classic movies. We like old movies, so. Uh, we had watched like Raging Bull and um, Godfather and like all these old De Niro movies. So of course you're going to watch Taxi Driver. Like that's just a natural, you know, movie that you watch, but it's, it is on the face of it, like probably inappropriate to be showing like an 11 year old. Um, but she definitely like looked at him and was like, okay, buddy. Um, so that was an interesting celebrity. My other, my favorites, well, besides, besides the Mariah Carey one, um, but my favorite like little celebrity story was, um, I went to a Chelsea Handler show with my dad, um, a couple years back. He lives in Pennsylvania in, in a place like near a casino. So he, anytime the casino has anybody like Wanda Sykes or Chelsea Handler, or anyone that comes to perform, he'll call me and he'll be like, if I get us tickets to the show, will you visit me? And I'm like, well, I would have visited you anyway, but like also get the tickets for the show. <laughs> um, so we got us tickets for Chelsea Handler and we got there early. We ate dinner. Then we like all decided we're going to gamble for an hour. Um, and I won like 300 bucks at Blackjack, okay. which was stupid. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was nice. Um, so then when they were like, okay, if you want to meet Chelsea, it's like 30 bucks for her book. And I usually would be like, Bleh. but uh, I had money. So I was like, yeah, I'd like to meet her. So I paid 30 bucks after the show, got in line for the meet and greet get up to her and I was just like, Hey, I love you. I live in new Orleans. You're not touring in new Orleans. I had to come to Pennsylvania to see you. I'm like, you drink, you party. Like what, why wouldn't you be in new Orleans? And she said, I don't know. And she said to her assistant, wait, why are we not going to new Orleans? And then we like joked about it for a minute. And then a month later, uh, she added new Orleans to her tour. So that's interesting. Yeah, so I, I give myself full credit for that, <laughs> even though it might it may have had nothing. To, it might have just been like her tour was successful and she added more cities right. to it, but um, or she had already planned on it. She's yeah, like, just she or she up. yeah maybe she did that to make me feel better. Uh, <laughs> but so that was like my favorite. Have you had any uh, good or bad celebrity interactions you want to share? It's interesting that you just said Chelsea Handler because she was really nice to my mom and I in uh, Cleveland. She did a show, and we um, bought her book and met her after, and I thought she was really cool. What did you say to her? She was really down to earth. I think I said, um, we're from New Orleans, and why aren't you coming to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> and that is not even a joke. <laughs> like, why are you in Cleveland and not in New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, it's a fair question. I always wonder why it's not included, you know? Maybe it's, like, I don't but know. But Cleveland's not, like, a bigger, like, a, I don't know. I'm like, there's no way you're going to make more money in Cleveland than you are in New Orleans. Yeah. My mom's in Cleveland right now. Oh. At the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and where's I was your like, dad and where's your brother? <laughs> I was like, Mom, why are you... My mom's remarried to uh, my stepdad. And I'm like, Mom, why are you going to Cleveland? And she's like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'm like, haven't you already seen it? And she said, yes, twice, but there's a, a new deep purple... Um, exhibit and her husband's obsessed with Deep Purple and they're basically like the grateful like they're the people that are like the grateful dead people but like for Deep Purple so they had to go fly to Cleveland to see an exhibit. So. Oh I didn't know he was like 
a huge fan of them. Yeah. They got to meet them backstage one time. There's pictures all over the house. Probably more pictures of Deep Purple than of us in my mom's house. <laughs> and I am her only daughter. Shifting <laughs> gears, let's not, talk about not sustainability bitter. in the industry. Okay. We were talking about Enrique Iglesias and how there was like a line around the building. Mm-hmm. Do you, okay, do you think that that's still happening for Enrique Iglesias? And if not... How does he feel about that? And how do you feel about sustainability in the industry? Like if you had a line around Mutiny Radio right now and then you come back next year and it's like no one's out Aww, there. I'd be so sad. I know. It does, I mean, it's something to think about. Though. I think it depends on the person. I think some people like get in and get out. Like they get in and they don't like the fame and then they just leave and they're fine with that. And I think some people... It's sad for them that they were like, you know, it's uh, like Sunset Boulevard, the movie, or um, uh, the Betty and Joan, the what's the feud, you know. I haven't seen that. The feud, we were watching the feud. With, with, I know, we were watching it. Yeah, we didn't finish it. We didn't finish it, so I didn't. But it's all about how, like, these old Hollywood stars, like, once they got, because back in the day, especially for women, once you got older, there was, like, no roles, and then the money dried up, and... Um, you know, some people would still seek that fame out and some people were like, thank God I can walk down the street and no one cares. Yeah. So I think it depends on the person. I mean, it's, it's hard. I think with comedy, with stand up, what I think is hard is you get typecast, whether you want to or not. That's a lot of things. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's hard to have that longevity, um, due to that. Like, uh, I'll give Dane Cook as an example. I'm not speaking anything about his comedy but dane cook was the bro guy you know and if he tried to do non-bro-y comedy it wouldn't work or a you know uh, amy schumer like she has a certain type of humor that if she tried to do when she tried to do political stuff like we saw her in a show in new orleans and it was right after uh someone in lafayette louisiana had murdered some people in a movie theater that was showing train wreck right um and she was lobbying for some gun control um, to be done and she was she wasn't even making a joke she was just talking about how like blind people can get guns and she doesn't um, necessarily uh, think that that's a great idea and she got booed at and yelled at and it's like that's not what people were there for they were there for her to talk about how many guys she's fucked or you know whatever things that she talked about in the past that's horrible it, it, it was horrible <laughs> we were there <laughs> I know. But like Whitney Cummings, like her jokes are like, well, men do this. And but women, we're no better because we do this. And but the men are the worst because of this. And like that's her format for her jokes. And so it's really hard. And she's having a, a time now and I haven't heard her new stuff. So don't spoil it for me. But she's having a hard time now because her whole thing was like men are stupid. They're terrible. They're garbage. And now she's getting married. She just got engaged. And, man. Yeah. And so now it's like I always said I'd never get married. I always said forget marriage it's stupid it's terrible on her show Whitney like that her character like didn't want to get married like that was the whole big theme of it and now here she is getting married so that's like changes too. yeah that's where it's like so you that's can't where you put yourself in a box either like you don't want people putting you in yeah. a box but you can't put yourself in a box so that's like Leyland Tasha Legero. she's a comic her whole first album is just about how much she hates children about how she doesn't want to get married and now she's married to Moshe Kosher and they have a kid and so it's like, yes, that was 15 years ago or 10 right. years ago when she did her first special and people changed since then, but that's her public persona. Yeah. And it's hard to make that shift for people that identify with that, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, I like this about her and that's it. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, Chris Rock, you know, he went political. He used to not be as political and he went political and he's not as, uh, he might not be as prevalent as he used to be. I think he's still popular and still does well with comedy. Right. But, uh, you know, it depends on the person and what they want. Yeah, it's like a shooting star type thing. Because some like people, you too. can't just burn out. Yeah. You know? At and least so, I don't want to. No. And some people, too, like, if you do stand-up, inevitably, if you're successful, you have to travel. You know? Like, it's, it'd be, it's really difficult for you to just stay in the city you are. Like, you're going to have to tour. Like, that's where you're going to get your money. That's where you're going to pick up fans, um, popularity, whatever. Like, you, you need to do that. And if that's not the lifestyle that you are cut out for or agree to do... I like to call it sharing your gift. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, like you could have 20 fans that are like, or f- your family that yes. just loves the shit that you do. Stop. Whatever. Yeah. And, it's um, fine. I think we're allowed to curse. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we might get fined or something. I don't know. Well, Pam might get fined. <laughs> you can find Pam Benjamin at three 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 thirst. No, I mean it sounds trite to be like, well, it's it's not about the numbers, it's not about the fans, but it, you want to perform and you want to express yourself and get your art out there, and that does take traveling or visiting different venues or telling people to go F themselves. <laughs> no, I mean, that's part of it. Like if you want to be able to do your craft, you need an audience to perform it to, especially with stand up and other types like drag. Like, yeah, okay. You could record a drag show and put it on YouTube, but it's not the same as the energy oh, no. that you're getting from a live audience. Right. No, definitely not. I mean, to think about performing to like one person, like let's just say always like a lounge that's in new Orleans that I, Ooh, yikes. Mm-hmm. That was like, it'd be like, oh, let me just look right at you like the whole time. Yeah. Definitely. All Looks right. Looks like we're out of time here. 